Good evening and welcome to episode 70 um, of the Podding Shed um, and, and the unexpected pleasure of me as host again because um, Johnny Dyer, who's normally with us, has gone down with that most serious of ailments, um, man flu. Um, and um, we all know how tragic and how awful that can be to, to, to be on the end of. Um, so tonight we start with um, what's going on with Chelsea and my only thing I could come up with, the best I could drag out of myself was that this is um, a journey through the nine circles of Dante's Inferno. Um, we've gone through the first circle of limbo with a bit of a dull pre-season, dodgy start. Um, we've arguably touched on the second circle of lust with the Eva Gate situation and the various scurrilous and yet no doubt untrue rumours um, that were going on around that. We've gone to the third circle of gluttony with fat players coming back from Brazilian fiestas etc through the summer of uh, gorging themselves on barbecues and, and the like. Um, we've entered, touched on the fourth circle of greed. Um, players presumably or allegedly you know, eyeing moves to Real Madrid for more money. Um, irrespective of how fat they might be. And the fifth one of anger, and the anger really has touched on everybody with fans being angry, um, players being angry, Jose in a permanent state of anger, it seems. Um, through the sixth circle of heresy, um, the heresy that a player apparently would rather lose the game working for Jose Mourinho than win. Um, and we have about three circles left that I'm not sure. Um, the seventh one is violence, um, which obviously fits in with <laughs> the, card, the cost of crimes and, um, and Matic losing his rag a few times as well this season. Um, and then we're left with two, and I was struggling to find where, whether or not we've actually entered the circle uh, number eight, which is fraud. Um, and number nine is no doubt just around the corner, ninth circle being that of treachery. And how far are the Ides of March for us and Jose? Good evening to Mark, who is so contrary. Good evening, Tony. And good evening to Donal, who is Dr. Bro Bayou on Twitter. Good evening, and may I just congratulate you, Tony, on, on a, a tour de force of um, <laughs> <laughs> bringing, bringing us, bringing us uh, a lesson in, in classical Italian literature. It's just amazing. It's such erudition, professorial. I'm, I'm most impressed. <laughs> it's one of my favourite. Um, it is one of my favourite things that we did a touch on the Open University degree, and I was quite enamoured by. I, t- I take it next week or next time we could have a couple of readings of it in the original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll see what I can do. Um, but um, back, to, back to tonight, we've got a bit to touch on. When, uh, we're going to touch on all of these. I dare say we'll probably all be flirting around the circles of um, Dante's Inferno as we go through. Um, since our last pod in shed, we've had four games. Um, we've had the unfortunate um, game at uh, Stoke, um, we've had a game at Liverpool, and we've had a game with Dynamo Kiev, and another unfortunate game at Stoke. Um, I'll pass it over first of all to Mark. Some thoughts, please. I presume you didn't actually go to the Stoke game. I think you said you'd managed to get rid of your ticket for the um, Capital One Cup game, but um, your thoughts in general anyway? Well, I've given up hope, to be honest. And I'm not sure where that fits in, Dan. So I think it might be once he comes out the right one, abandoned. Does, he, does he deal with despair at all? Because obviously, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think I think in Catholic uh, uh, circles, yes, um, despair is actually a sin, isn't it? It's because is it, it means the abandonment of all hope, which means 
you know, concomitantly belief in God and his, you know, good grace. So to be despairing is, you know, we're, we're in very dodgy... Uh, we are indeed. <laughs> yeah, but carry on, carry on. I genuinely have given up all hope. I mean, what's the point? I've, I've got this Fitbit, which is a wristband for measuring your activity. And um, it's meant to encourage you to do more steps. Keep up in the seventies, Argo, that referred to a good-looking girlfriend or something, didn't it? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, things have changed. Obviously, things are more politically correct now. But anyway, you're, you're meant Sorry. to do one um, according to the some health association or whatever. You're meant to do ten thousand steps a day to avoid death. Um, and obviously, I like to be a bit more aggressive, so I've set my daily target to twelve thousand. And actually, today I did two walks, and I've got it up to seventeen thousand steps, which is seven and a half miles, which is pretty impressive, don't you think? It is. It is very good. But actually, the reason I've lost hope is having watched the Stoke game and seen Charlie Adam lumbering around the pitch like an impersonation of the Lord's heavy roller. What's the point of boosting your daily activity? I mean, he is a bloke who trains five days a week and plays top-flight football at least once a week. And he's as fat as a barge. I mean, what hope have I got of achieving my BMI? <laughs> I was thinking the same. I was watching it the other day. A day. That's why I've lost all hope, really. I'm just uh, going to vegetate in front of a screen, I think. There's yeah. <laughs> really not much I can, I can say yeah. to that. Um, Going back to the football. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, generally, I think after um, we concede a goal, uh, we tend to lose heart. Um, we just seem to give up. Home to Kiev... Um, when they scored and equalised, I feared the worst, but actually we did go and manage to grab the winner. And at that point, I was wondering if this was a change in our fortune. We'd, we'd turned the corner and found a bit more belief and worked out how to come back. But then that was followed by Stoke away in the league, and we went 1-0 down. I can't say we gave up, but I, I think there was an awful lot of huffing and puffing. I mean, Hazard, I think, looked good, actually. He was mesmerising at times the way he was turning and running through players, but there was no end product. And there was always one pass too many, just as we got to the edge of the box, when someone could have shot, they pass it sideways. And we never really looked that close to scoring, apart from one Costa effort. It's all a bit odd, really. I mean, we all thought Branners was the problem, but actually we've lost three games in his absence, so clearly... Getting rid of him, even though it was through injury, hasn't actually helped. And I mean, my, my sort of conclusion is really we can't defend, we can't create, and if we do create by chance, we can't finish. I mean, every cross going across the box, Costa is impersonating Gaza from Euro 1996, where his leg is about one inch too short. He can't reach anything. They're all balls he's whipping across the six-yard line, and he's in there running in, and they just go past him. So um, I don't know what's going on. Donald, your point. Um, <clears throat> yes, um, well, Stoke in the League Cup, we went 1-0 down. And the joy I felt when we, we got that equaliser. And then, I was listening to this on the radio, I will confess. Um, the joy then to, to, to get the equaliser and then for them to go down to 10 men um, and I'm not going to put in the, I never like to see anyone sent off. It should be 11 v 11. No, they should have been about five of them went listening to it on the radio. They were trying to disguise it because it was all about Plucky Stoke and 
they were jo- joyously glorying in Chelsea's uh, <clears throat> problems. But it sounded like, you know, serious acts of violence were taking place every couple of minutes and the referee just wasn't interested. So I had no sympathy for them. They went down to 10 men and I thought, blimey, you know, this could be a big step, a big help in, in, in getting them, you know, psychologically into the right place. And of course, they then laboured against 10 men, didn't score and, and lost on penalties. But I took something from it, you know, I took the, the idea that, that there was some fight in, in them and, and maybe things were, were going somewhere. And then, of course, uh, the Liverpool result just <clears throat> took us straight back to to where we'd started and, and in some ways worse. Um, it, it's, it is very difficult to analyse. I mean, looking at the Stoke game on, on, on Saturday... <sighs> There were times where there, there, there was no one in the box or there was one player in the box and, and seven or eight Stoke defenders. And then when the ball went down the other end, there'd be three or four Stoke players, six Chelsea players, and yet the ball invariably found the Stoke player. You know, there, there's something... It's, I can't put my finger on it, but we can have a lot of possession and our, our ratio of... of, of Shots to, to amount of possession is very low, and yet every chance, every time the other the opposition has the ball, they seem to be able to create a reasonable chance or get very close to creating a reasonable chance, and we seem to have these like catastrophic breakdowns in defence. You know, simple defending just goes awry. I mean, the Stoke goal on Saturday, there were six or seven Chelsea players in in and around that box. None of them anywhere near a Stoke player. There were only three Stoke players in that box, and yet two of them got to the ball before any Chelsea player could. Very strange. I, I, you know, if I had my UA for coaching badges, maybe I could talk you through it in the in. in you know, I don't think a badge would help you actually, because um, with all due respect, Donal, um, you, you haven't won any um, Premier Leagues, you, you haven't played football no. at the highest level, so I, I think you have to join in with Robbie Savage and just say that you're not allowed to have any, um, any criticism <laughs> of the team. Really. I, th- I think, I mean, it, uh, I'm not sure, um, yeah, the sin of pride, while we're on things like Dante's Circles of Hell and, and, and the Seven Deadly Sins, I'm going to exhibit you know, the, the sin of pride here and say that while I've never done more than you know, run about and feel a bit sick on Sunday on Hackney Marshes along with thousands of others. I, I'm, I'm probably, I could probably contribute more than Robbie Savage could to a football conversation. I know that's not claiming much, but uh, it's an interesting. Yeah, one. I mean, I, I, I sort of I, that was a bit of a distraction, a bit of a humor, humorous aside by John Terry. I think you know, it broke the atmosphere a little bit. The comment and, and and you know Robbie Savage's marmite isn't he? You either love him or hate him, and he does tend to have that reaction amongst the general footballing populace or whatever. Um, I think John Terry, you know, it, what, it seems to be twisted by the media again to say he was saying that someone of Robbie Savage shouldn't be, you know, isn't qualified to criticize. Well, he may not be qualified to criticize John Terry, but he's certainly qualified to put a critique in on a game in general, um, and maybe what players us, what you know. You know, um, most film critics have never directed a movie, 
Um, and most rock critics or music critics have never picked up an instrument in their life, you know. Um, but we do it now, um, as sitting here, because we kind of watch the game, appreciate it, and we see the nuances of the game and, and how things work out, um, or not in that case. And I think that, go back to um, the Stoke game, that the first one, unlucky as it was, you know, we get the equaliser, um, they go down to 10 men, we fail to put them away, we do the inevitable. I think there was a stat that came out, I think we've never we've never won a penalty shootout with Jose, I, I, I seem to remember reading that somewhere or whatever. Um, and then we have Stoke again this weekend, and we know them, we only played them two weeks ago, right, so you would have thought we'd have learnt something, and apparently not. And it was interesting because I was at the you know I was at the Liverpool game obviously as as, as uh, I guess you were Mark I don't know if you were there Donal no no I, I had watched it on but it was an TV. absolute carbon copy of the Southampton game you you probably you you could have taken it away you could have had a commentary on it which would have given you exactly the same thing we looked good we scored a goal after four minutes instead of ten minutes against Southampton we still looked good for about another five or six minutes after that um, and then beyond that. Well, I don't think we had another shot on goal after we'd scored against Liverpool. Mm. Their equaliser, which was two or three minutes before our time, right in front of where I sit in the uh, in the Matthew Harding upper, mm. um, I was screaming, absolutely screaming, you know, um, uh, as Piliqueta and uh, and to get out onto these Liverpool players. It was interesting to watch. Um, uh, I only picked up on YouTube, but because it was, um, I, I kind of went into a bit of a football sulk and couldn't be bothered to watch anything after that. Oh, any, any games after our game, um, but the Frank Lampard was on um, the Monday Night Football. Yes, that's all that. Yeah, uh, with Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville. Mm. And, and, and to be fair, Carragher and Neville have, have, Neville's fantastic, and Carragher's come mm. on. And Carragher had this fantastic piece of footage from two years ago when we played them, where every time a Liverpool player got the ball, you'd have Louis, David Louise or somebody would be in on them, hounding, hounding, not giving them any space. Yeah. And that would force them into mistakes, and then we'd end up picking up the ball, and, and something would happen. Mm. You know, they, you compare it to that game where we mm. didn't, we didn't, we, when we haven't done this all season. I've, I've been looking at it thinking, why are we sitting off these teams? I think Mark, you mentioned it in the last pod in ship. We seem to be constantly, even against teams that you know you, you you wouldn't think would be that much of a threat to us, but we sit back, we sit back. None of our players seem to want to get in. It's always about three or four feet. It's almost like a um, uh, 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 a FIFA game where you've adopted for zonal marking only and you're not going to do any sort of kind of touch marking or tackling or anything like that. Um, mm. and, and it makes us look... I also think there's... I do wonder whether our players are in some sort of alternate universe where one second is actually 1.15 seconds. Um, and that's why, you know, Diego Costa's leg seems a bit an inch too short because he's just that little bit behind the play all mm. the time. Um, it, and it is... It's mystifying. It is mystifying to see... <laughs> What's going do, on? Do, do you know what's interesting, Tony? No, don't shout at me because I'm not. This isn't a rant about referees, but um, the interesting thing in that Liverpool game, which I think um, maybe is a pointer to the psychology uh, of, of the team and, and the way they're feeling, in some way, hemmed in by a variety of, of things, is that there was. A very short period in that game, I, I agree, like you say, that they, they seem to sit off Liverpool and, and give Liverpool an awful lot of space and time. There was a point in, in the second half, I think it was around the hour mark, that Kennedy came on. Mm. Um, and there seemed to be a sudden lift in energy. Mm. Lots of people remarked on this. 
and and there was this they suddenly pinned Liverpool back into their own half for periods. This only lasted for five, ten minutes at the most. But they actually moved the whole game up and, and started to press on Liverpool as you would have expected them to do throughout the game up up in, in Liverpool's third of the pitch. And they were starting to get the ball off Liverpool. Liverpool was struggling to break out. And even when they broke out, Chelsea was, like you say, much closer to them, snapping in, getting the ball back quickly, starting to attack. And strangely, the only thing that came out of it was that chance that Oscar took, you know, when he, when he almost lobbed the keeper from a long way out. So they still had... Oh. Ah. I've lost everybody. I hope you're recording. Something's gone wrong. Are we back? Do we have people back? Ladies and gentlemen, our live performance is... Um, oh, as we hello. redial... Hello. I think we hello. lost... I, I lost either you both... Uh, well, it must be me because... Um, yeah, we could uh, hear you. Yeah. I could hear you, yeah. Right, and I couldn't hear you. Okay, so apologies to our listener. Right. <laughs> um, this is the perils of live recording yes. and live broadcasting, so um, hopefully we <laughs> won't have any more blips. Um, well, the problem is, I mean, it's just that the team's just not talking. We're not on the same wavelength. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we, we can't pass one sentence to another, really. <laughs> but just to quickly finish my point, what happened then was um, they started to press up and it, it looked like they were about to get the game by the scruff of the neck and they had this extra little bit of energy and Kennedy seemed to be doing something. And then Mikel made his first tackle of the game and got booked. And that seemed to, you know, suddenly, oh, look, we're, we're, we're trying to get more aggressive, suddenly unbooked. And then a minute later, they got the ball quickly back off Liverpool in, in Chelsea's own third. We're making the break up the pitch and Lucas brought down Ramirez. And the whole world thought, that's the end of Lucas. And it wasn't. And... Shortly after that, Liverpool scored in the same way that they'd scored before, i.e. Chelsea, easy to play through, a straightforward direct ball, I think it went up on, on, on Chelsea's left-hand side. And it just struck me that at that moment, in those few moments, it seemed like the whole pressure of the thing got back on them, in that they were suddenly feeling confident, feeling like they, they could get the game by the scruff of the neck, got aggressive, and suddenly that got them nowhere. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, I'm only speculating, but it's, it's like small things like that can make a big difference. And, and before they knew it, the game was gone. And like you say, the heads went down, etc., etc. So it leads me to believe that there is a, there is something in that team still fighting to get out. You know, on Saturday, yes, it wasn't a great performance against Stoke, but it wasn't awful. There was, a, there was a deal of, of football played. They, I don't know if it's the way they're set up, if it's formation, if it's lack of confidence, but they just, you know, if they make a mistake, they get punished and they're not creating enough chances. But I think that the willingness is there. I don't buy in that they're not playing for the, you know, this whole, are they playing for the manager or are they not? They're, they're not at 100%. I mean, that's self-evident, but... Are they working their that. way back up towards it? You know, are we... I, mean, um, I think they are trying. I mean, against Stoke, I, I would say they sort of flatter to deceive, I think is the old saying. Mm. I, I think that the effort was there. There's a lot of running around. I mean, Hazard looked like he was running harder 
than mm. he has been in the past, which makes me believe it's either him or Fabregas who are the culprits. One of the two is the culprit of saying that um, they'd rather lose than win uh, for Mourinho. Um, purely on the basis that Fabregas denied it immediately via, via a tweet, so he must be suspect. Mm. And Hazard has suddenly started trying to make it um, to try and cover up in case it was him. But they were all running around. I mean, William, you know, he's a fantastic worker. 110% effort every single game. But actually, what comes of it? I mean, his free kicks are great now. Terrific. Um, but he runs at players, he gets round players, but nothing ever comes at the end of it. But I think they're all trying. I, I don't think there's anyone there not putting in a shift. But it's just the way we're playing isn't going to be enough to um, avoid conceding one or two goals and, and it isn't enough really to score a goal. I mean I've just seen a tweet here from Asmir Begovic who I think is a decent uh, substitute goalkeeper mm. he, he's not top draw but he's a decent backup. You know it's unfortunate that Courtois is out for so long but he's never won anything Begovic as far as I'm aware but he's just tweeted saying um we just have to keep playing like we are, and it will. It eventually has to turn. You know, he's got no experience of um, playing for a winning team. And actually, if we just keep playing like we are, we're just going to keep getting results like we are. I think that's the problem. We just keep playing the same every single game. Well, it, it, you, you're touching on one of my favourite things, which is that you know, the Einsteinian, you know, um, definition of madness. You know, that you repeat the same thing time and time again and expect a different result. Um, and, and and you're absolutely right. I, I've I've long said this. I mean, you know my view. I've, I've said it before, and I've been a bit verbal about it on the pod in shed when we've done it before. Yeah, about, you keep saying the same thing, and you you keep expecting a different reaction, but you get the same reaction. We just ignore you, Tony. <laughs> you're mad. Absolutely. But I do come out with the, the, the thing that um uh that, that you know I find it patronising when players come out. I think you know what do they think we are idiots when they come out with statements exactly like that. Petr Cech was um was a master of coming out with with the blandness and all this as if it was going to make us feel any better. Um in Begovic yeah, but I, I don't I don't think I don't think Asmir Begovic has, has has sort of rung up Chelsea and said, Oh, I'd love to make a statement to the public you know, I mean they're they're sort of to some extent they have to no, I say do, something. Actually. I think they go round in a circle and say, um because last week I think Costa said it and another week yeah. another one says I think they say to each player at Cobham every morning okay yeah. it's your turn tonight yes. Come on, here's what we want you to say tweet it yeah. about 8 o'clock and we'll retweet it yeah, yeah. I, I actually I, think it's something more than that I think it's more to do with I think it's a contractual thing I think it's very much like a, my wife is a, an avid fan of a programme called Criminal Minds which is a sort of uh, a, a copy of CSI New York and CSI Miami and if you ever watch any of these programmes the cast is almost obligated to speak one after the other, you know. Yes. So one will say one thing, then the next person says their bit, yeah. their bit, their bit. And I have never been in a conversation anywhere in my life where people have taken it in turns without right. interrupting to say anything. And I just wondered about that. But it, I think the thing with Begovic, I go back to the fact is that, you know, since he's come in, you know, we we we've been shipping goals right, left, and centre, and it can't all be the defence. And I think you're right, Mark. I think he's a competent number two. He's the sort of bloke you'd want to come off the bench if you were 2-0 up with 10 minutes to go and Courtois gone off injured. But he doesn't, to me, boss his box. And that could be just because he's the number two and he's only just come in or whatever. Whereas Courtois, if you've ever stood um, where I sit in the, in the mat, you can hear him shouting. 
you can hear him bellowing into John Terry's ear. He's not scared to be a kind of Peter Schmeichel goalkeeper in that sense. Uh, and, you know, that for me is part of the issue. I think there was a brilliant, brilliant piece of, uh, you know, how true it is or not. But it was really interesting um, thing that was put out by the secret footballer last week. And a lot of people dissed it immediately. Um because uh, they were saying it's a certain particular, a certain player, what would he know? But again, you don't it's know Fitz, who he it's knows. Fitzson, isn't it? Well, it could be. It could be. But even if I it thought, is... I thought it was more or less accepted. That well, it was yeah. But, you know, people, people sit there and say, what does he know? Well, how do you well, know well, I know about what, what, was, what was said. Well, what he said was he had about three or four things that he said were at the root of the problem. He was the one who... Um, outed Fabregas, as it were, okay, right. being the uh, the one who said he'd rather lose. And, um, you know, and like you said, immediately out comes Fabregas with a tweet, which always reminds me of the old... Um, but at the same, the same well, time, he, Tony, he would say that, the same time Tony, Miguel Delaney was, was saying that there were five people loyal to Mourinho, you know, from his sources within Chelsea, and, and Fabregas that, that was one, one of the loyalists. Oh, within Chelsea. Yeah, and that was, that was yeah. you know, so... I. And if we remember the famous Gallas business where he was supposed to be saying that yeah. if they forced him to play, he'd, he'd, he'd score an own goal, history has shown that to have been utter tripe. Yeah. He never said it. You know, and so no, and I don't, know, I, I, some of the stuff that circulates when, when, he, when the hunt is up, as it were, I, I don't, you know, I don't... No, and I quite agree, but he, he, some of his stuff was pretty spot on. I mean, I think that he made a very good point about... Um, the whole doctor thing. These doctors are with the players day in, day out, with no agenda other than to get them better, to make them ready to play. The minute you start stepping over that and, and being a bit of a bully boy, which is no doubt is what happened here a little bit with Mourinho, um, is the minute you can piss players off. We, 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 might, we might dismiss that and say, well, you know, they're professional footballers, but you don't know how, what the impact that, that had. Because oh, I, th- I think the Eva Canero, whatever actually caused it, the whole, the fact is, it was it was the first game of the season, and the whole tenor of the thing was extraordinary. And while I'm not saying that's the reason we've got this problem, I think if you ever find out what what really was the source of all that and what caused it and why it was why he was so over the top about it, I think that that certainly would take you down the road of finding out what the tensions were and, and mm. why he why he was so irascible so early in the season. Um, well, when this thing goes to court with um, Eva, we might find out a little bit more because mm. it'll be reported on, presumably. Yes, yeah, well, you'd it. assume it would have and, to be. And with the questioning, she'll have, probably have to say um, what, what was going on. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it's an extraordinary overreaction. I, I, that sort of set the tenor for, for the season, you know, that sort of extraordinary overreaction to, yes, OK, maybe... Hazard shouldn't have gone down, or maybe they shouldn't have run on. But you know, God help us! It it, it was the first game of the season, a two-all draw at home to Swansea. It wasn't the end of the world. No, but well, you know, uh, and that sort of we've never really gone anywhere. Well, since it's, that. It's, it's turned into our plebgate, hasn't it? That, that's what it's turned into. It's turned into this never-ending story, which um, I've no doubt that we'll be sitting there in a year's time, and it will still be rumbling on about it because it's just become one of those, you know. Stories, it's like a Rolling Stone. It's just gathering pace all the time, and 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 it will not go away. And um, you know, the club have been absolutely, you know, in their, their their level of incompetence over the way they've handled the whole issue from beginning right up to now has been staggering. Um, you know, they 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 are literally at the moment, as far as I can make out, um, in the boardroom with their fingers in their ears, humming loudly, 
I can't hear you, I can't hear you. Um, it just seems to be that kind of attitude. And then it hasn't helped. I think in Jose, he looked... Yeah, he looks a little bit more humbled of late. Let's put it that way. Um, I think maybe he's he's kind of that irascibility, but also that enfant terrible um, persona that he's been trying to push back out there again this season. Uh, I just wonder whether he's actually started to realise that this is not doing him or the club or the players any favours. Fortress mentalities are all well and good, um, but they will, you know, they, you will implode your, your whole thing will implode ultimately I mean even Alex Ferguson used to apply it in bits and pieces yeah I mean he never kept a constant constant kind of fortress mentality going there um you know and and, and I think that's that that's coming back to bite us and I'm, I'm hoping it will turn out it's certainly very I don't know whether it's very encouraging or very strange or what but there's something very odd about the fact that he hasn't been sacked I don't want him to go personally but you know, mm. when you look at our track record, and unless it is this particular time when he's actually, you know, got the ear of Abramovich and this Marina Kronovskaya, who turns out, apparently by all accounts, had most of the summer off on maternity leave, um, and therefore wasn't involved in the buying side of things. Um, uh, and it, it, I just wonder whether he's got the ear, and whether or not it will be, uh, maybe not in January, but certainly in, in, in April, a cull of players. That maybe uh, Martin Samuel wrote a fantastic article, and um, he's one of the only people I'd, I'd regularly read, and which more or less sort of said, you know, maybe he has to get Mourinho has to get that kind of that's the one thing that's missing from him that Ferguson had is that kind of ruthlessness to say, I don't care who you are, you're not Billy Big Bollocks with me, out you go, you know, the whole Paul Ince thing, Roy Keane thing, Yapstan thing, Van Nistelrooy thing, Beckham thing. <laughs> Um, but you could argue, you could argue if he does this cull and brings in a fresh lot, all he's really doing is refreshing the squad so he can mentally drive them into the ground for two years before he needs to do it again. Well, but then Mark, you know, there is that viewpoint. Mark, Mark did say that's kind of what isn't that what Ferguson used to do every three years? Was it you said his meantime? I can't remember what you called it now, Mark. But it's along them lines of saying, well, you know, he would spend a few years and then he'd pretty much get the shot of him and start it all over again because he knew that that was the right time to do it and be able to keep, keep on influencing people and that, yeah, I, the, the only thing about um, I, I've read somewhere else about um, Jose is going to wield the axe in January which, which is very satisfying you know if things aren't going quite well it's quite nice to sack everyone <laughs> start again just makes you feel a bit better <laughs> um, I've, I've done that in the past <laughs> but um the thing that I don't quite understand is, let, let's say he um, wants to sack a few players and their first-team players in the current first 11. Let's say he wants to cull five mm. and they're all in the first team. If they're so bad that he wants to cull them, why doesn't he drop them now and replace them with people who are on the bench or um, out on loan or something like that? Or let's say they're not in the first team they're people who are on the bench or out on loan and he's going to cull them, it's not going to make any difference because the first team will then end up being the same as it was. Well, I yeah. agree. I, 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 and and I, this, this this January window, you know, this sort of... Uh, it's seen as this glorious opportunity. The January window is not the time... You know, you, you might, if you're very lucky, pick up a bargain or pick up something, you know, one player or two players. But... N- 
Chelsea aren't going to get rid of four or five players in January no. and get a good price for them and, and so on and so forth. And I, you know, everyone's, it seems to be that you're split, you know, people are splitting into those who think it's all the players' fault, those who think it's all Mourinho's fault, and then there's a third camp who's blaming the board. Um, or it's the board and the players. You poll any, you know, three from from five options. It, it is obviously a, a, a number of factors, and there may be one or two players that that, that are not up to it and, and will go. But that happens every year in every team. This idea that there's going to be a major cull in the dressing room. I don't know. You do that sort of thing. Uh, it is supposed to be getting into a factional situation. There, you've got the Brazil. You've got a sort of Brazilian group, haven't you? You've got uh, a Spanish group. You've got, you know, yeah. francophones. You know, if, if they if they are splitting into groups, then that is a big problem. But who who are they going to call? And, and what and what club wouldn't know. have that? What club wouldn't probably? If, if be that were the case, that, I mean, we don't know that there are mm-hmm. factions. But mm. if there was a Brazilian faction mm. and there was a Spanish faction, then using my Venn diagram, I'd get rid of Costa because he can fit into both. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if anybody kind of sums up going off the, going off the boil, it, it, it is him at the moment. I mean, uh, is it a case of, you know, when you, you know, the, we go back to biblical times, you know, you cut Samson's, Samson's hair or whatever, and he was, you know, a weakling or whatever. In some way or another, Costa looks pretty neutered at the moment. He's still mm. niggly or whatever, but, you know, has has he had the edge taken off him? He's under some sort of order mm. or whatever, not to not to be as combative, because, frankly, you know... Um, it, it, I can't remember if it was Drogba's second season or Drogba's first season when he was, you know, totally marmite in the fact that, you know, most of the people near where I sat in the ground hated him. I loved him. Um, but he had a, a season where he just wasn't, you know, there was a lot of diving going on and all this sort of thing. Um, and, you know, there was this whole bandwagon of people wanting to, to get shot of him. Strike that will happen to strikers from time to time. But I remember that particular season when things weren't going Drogba's way, he was fannying around out on the wing a lot. And at the mm. moment, what I see from Costa is fannying around out on the wing a lot. Um, and you you said it earlier, Mark, I think, you know, you've, or, or, we've said it before, all the games I've been to. There were times against Southampton when Hazard found himself down on the byline, ready to put a ball in, only to find he was the only player that was mm. that far forward. And you've got to say, well, where was everyone else that was strolling up the pitch, you know? <laughs> it, it, it does seem very it's, it's not always strolling up the pitch, Tony. I mean, there is, I believe, you know, one of the... Sides of, of Jose's system is that you don't overcommit players into the box. You know that there's this sort of you, you rotate around, so there's never more than two or three of you in the box. Things like that, which I think he changed at the beginning of, of last season. I mean, I still go back to the to, to that Tottenham game, the Tottenham away game, where I think you sort of track a change in in the whole team from then on. And you look at that second half of the season. You know, we, we didn't have many really convincing victories. You know, it was sort of ground out, and you know, there were we could all think of many reasons why it was necessary to do that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the type of football that was being played the last couple of months of last season is not massively dissimilar to what they're playing now. You, no, had, you, had, you, had, you had you had very similar problems in you know lots of possession, very few chances created. We, we seem to defend better. But I think if you went back and watched a lot of those games, you'd see the same sort of gaps, the same sort of catastrophic breakdowns 
it's just the bounce of the ball. You know, the, the luck went with us for a, however seven or eight games, and now it's deserted us for seven or eight games. And somewhere in the middle lies where we're going to end up. And I think you know that you, you could argue for nothing more than speculation that you've put together a team which was was really sort of sourced and, and put together to play in a certain system a certain way, which was working. Tottenham exposed it. And instead of maybe making a few adjustments, trying to change a couple of things, did he change the whole thing back to his more conservative way of doing things, which ultimately the players, professionals that they are and they've got to do their best, don't fully, one, believe in, or two, are not the type of player that can play that system well enough to make it work. I, the, you know, that's again just speculation. But you know, these thoughts run through your head as you're watching games. What, why is it like the way it is now? Yeah. It does chime with what the, the secret football and Martin Samuel both said something similar that you've got players that may be unhappy with being asked to play a, a particular way, but you've also got a captain who should be bridging that gap um, back to the manager that appears not to be and appears to have lost quite a substantial amount of influence uh, on the pitch. You can't get away from it. He's just not what he was. Uh, you know, legend as he is, I, I, I don't know whether it's a, a mixture of um, you know physical exertion from last season and playing virtually every game, or playing every game I think he did last season, um, and then the mental side of it this time. But he does seem to be, uh, you know, I expect to see somebody out there that's leading and charging and, and, and fighting for everything, and I'm not. And, um, you know, also that captain role, which is much denigrated in other countries, but in this country, is always, I always thought traditionally was seen as the link between the players as a group and the coach or the manager. And um, I don't know, there's always, there are rumours coming out that they've had a falling out or whatever, but then you see Terry last week, he didn't look like he'd had much of a falling out, with Joe say to me. So, um, hmm. uh, and it is mystifying. I mean, wherever you go, you look at, the comments that were made by Gary Neville, he was in fine form, but it's utterly mystifying. But even he sort of alluded to the fact that these players, you set yourself standards and you're not playing to those standards, then you are letting your team down. And it's no good thinking you can hide. You know, every every game that, that goes out on a pitch, there will be a player, maybe two, who are slightly off beam and are being carried or their mistakes are being, you know, sort of plastered over by the others or whatever. Um, but this is week in, week out, and there's no consistency in there. You know, I, 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 you know, I still, I'm baffled at the the swapping around in in defence. Um, yeah, we we seem to be, you know, was it two games? I think even was it against Liverpool? Wazuma was out there at left back, I think, and and as Pelliquet at right back, it just seemed a bizarre decision to me. But um, and I, I don't think Jose's making that point to the to the board. I, th- I just think the, the board. Of which Jose is a part of. We have to remember that he's part of this committee of of of, of uh, the club that you know pick and choose and decide what players stay, which players go. And um, I just wonder whether or not um, you know they've taken a gamble. They've taken a massive gamble and said we didn't need much. We won it at a counter last year. Um, and instead of strengthening the, the, the squad with two or three players that would add some comp- competition and and get others thinking or whatever, whether it was a wage demand thing or whatever they were worried about, but we've ended up with a, a squad of players that 
uh, seem to be as far from knowing how to defend a championship as anybody I've ever seen. I mean, yeah, but it's a difficult you, even, not yeah. buying any players, Tony, is um, I can accept, as I'm sure I've said this before, and I might be boring the listener. Uh, wake he's up, fine. Wake he's, up, listener. Yep. No, he's fine. I spoke to him earlier on, um, okay. on the, the Chelsea fan cast. Um, he's absolutely but fine. But if, if, um, if we didn't buy any players, I can accept that maybe that meant we're not going to be able to retain the championship. But it doesn't mean you go down to... Um, a relegation 50. battle. <laughs> no. So he, he, he must have enough players that actually we wouldn't lose three games in succession against West Ham, Liverpool and Soak. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah, I, I, I agree that, that, yeah, you should be looking to maybe strengthen. Perhaps he, he, he's reverted to this more conservative, or I call it conservative, that's the wrong word. He's reverted to this certain way of playing and perhaps you need those players, ex- other players to make that work. But when you look at the team sheets and you look at the teams they're playing and you say man for man, you know, who, who's got the better players... It, it, you know, Liverpool, West Ham, Stoke, that, that doesn't really, they don't really field teams that are vastly superior in terms of the player um, profiles that you're looking at. So it, it's really about, one, the motivation of the players, two, their organisation, and three, the way they're being asked to play. And yeah, I'm sure they're all working these things out on the training pitch, but... Do you think any of our, it's, it's mystifying. Kind of question for both of you. Do you think any of our players, based on current form, okay, not on the historical form, but on current form, would get a look in at Manchester City, Arsenal, or even Spurs at the moment? Not, not on their current form, possibly, William. Let's not get too um, downhearted. I mean, they're all better than Spurs. Come on. <laughs> Well, I, was, I was just putting it out there, you know, it's my job. My but anyway, job, my the, se- the season's got a long way to yeah. run. I mean, um, mm. teams often make a good start and then they um, dissipate. I think Burnley did it when they came up in the first season. So I wouldn't get too carried away with um, Leicester, for example. No, 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 no. Brilliant. And I love, um, you know, I'd much rather listen to a Claudio interview than a Jose interview. He's a lovely bloke, very entertaining. But I think we'll end up above them, and I'm sure we'll end up above Tottenham. Whether we can get into the top four or not, um, every game that goes by where we don't turn it around, it's beginning to slip away from us. But I still think we can get into the top four, but it's touch and go. Yeah. But even if we don't, I still think we'll finish ahead of Tottenham. So let's not let's not get too despondent about are any of our players well, good enough to get in the Tottenham team? But to be honest with you, I'm far, far from it. I mean, I still think that uh, there, someone's on the end of a hiding from us. I, I, I genuinely believe something's got to, mm, to sure I got one. But Well, I just, I just think, you know, that there's, you, 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 keep, you keep plugging away and, and eventually maybe just... You've just criticised every Chelsea member, Chelsea squad member, for saying that exact statement. Well, yeah, yeah, I know. I know, but I'm trying to keep the faith here. That's what I'm trying to do. And, and, I mean, you look at the next game. The next you know, game I don't, I don't is... want to get too... Don't, I mean, I, the, I, next I, few games, the next few games are good. The next yes. few games. Home to Norwich City. Now, you've got to feel... And, and obviously, there's two weeks. So, this is the prime sacking time if, if they're going to sack him. Well, yeah. Everyone was predicting that he'd have to go during the international break because it would give them time to get whoever was coming in and uh, have a workout with whatever two and a half players hadn't gone abroad. But, but who's more motivational, would you say, pre-match? 
Jose or Delia? Well, yeah, I mean, people were wondering whether they could get Roman to get a bit tanked up and <laughs> stagger onto the pitch. <laughs> Let's be having it. Um, so Chelsea, Norwich, if they don't win that game, yeah, we're... we're and then they're away to Maccabi Tel Aviv. Maccabi Tel Aviv. Hmm. Should win that, but again, traveling yeah. abroad. Then uh, they're away to Spurs on Saturday, Sunday, the 29th of November. Yes, yes. I, yeah, hmm. move on. <laughs> After that, they're at home to Bournemouth. So yeah. you've got to say Norwich and Bournemouth, they have to get maximum points from those two games. Yeah. yeah. Now, if we can't beat those two, we are buggered. Yes, I, I yeah. agree with that. I'm then you've got Chelsea at home to Porto. I think we could beat Porto at home or a draw. If we've beaten Maccabi Tel Aviv and a draw against Porto, that sorts that out, I believe. Um, then it's Leicester away, and then it's Sunderland at home, and then it's Watford at home. So, right. so yeah, it's a good run, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Tottenham, I, I'm not... I don't want to upset you, Mark, but... No, no, apart from Tottenham, I think the point you're making is it's not a bad run. We, we couldn't ask for a better run, could we, now? No. No. Uh, um, and it's... It, I think the... Uh, in actual fact, it's one of the few times I'm thinking I might be actually thankful for an international break here a little bit because, you know, if it does give... Um, I don't know how many of our players are going off on them. I don't know how many players have, uh, how many of our players are in good enough form to be selected for their international sides at the moment. Mm. Um... But it would be it, it, it is a kind of opportunity to, for at least the management team and the people who run the club to to get an air, an aura of calm and, and 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 just try and settle things down a bit over the next two weeks and and you know hopefully get the players when the players come back there is a, a slightly more a, a, a warmer ambience about the place rather than the the, the the pressure that they must be under now because. Um, you know, again, wherever you go on this, and it doesn't matter who you speak to, and you're speaking to people at work and everything like that, and there's Arsenal fans, you know, and they're as mystified as us. They're, 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 I'm not saying they're not they're not reveling in it. What they are mystified by it. Um, and they sort of ask me, "What's going on at your club, Ben?" And I'm like, "How the hell would I know?" I mean, I, you know, I can't. Put it, it's it's possible that that out of five league games. They could get four. I mean, Leicester will be difficult, but I still think they've got to start beating the Leicesters of this world if they're going to make Tottenham away. Will be a difficult game if we. If we, I know it's heresy, but we if we, if we allow them to, you know, perhaps not get a result there, but not get completely tonked like last time. Um, if you win those four games plus qualifying Europe. It does mean that the baby Jesus arrives to a slightly better world than it would have been. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean... Uh, and then you've got Watford the day after Christmas before they have to go up to United. You know, so then you've got United and Palace away. Those are difficult games yeah. in the current atmosphere. But, yeah, I, I, if they can't get some sort of run together... I mean, we, we could be sitting here after the Sunderland game saying... You know, we've beaten Sunderland 74-0. That's good for the goal difference. But we should be beating teams like that. So we won't get overexcited. But if we have won four or five games, you know, Mark's point that we'll start moving up the league and, you know, getting somewhere a bit more realistic, you know, will be true. But 
I don't know. I don't know. Dean Dean Grant. It's it's like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Every time we go around the corner, it's to walk, stand stand on a shovel, which comes up and hits you, and walk away with that sort of flat face for a couple of days, which then only just starts to come out back into shape in a sort of rubbery way by about the Monday. But it's true, isn't it? You just sort of think, oh, we're turning the corner. Boring. Splat. You know, Actually, um, who's taking minutes of tonight? I don't know. I've, 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 there, there is a recording being made, Mark. So okay, I thought someone was taking minutes. But can we just minute that, um, if we're all agree, can we just minute that we are too good to go down? I'd, I'd just like to be able to refer back to that at the end of the yes. season. Yeah, in, yeah, in the yeah, relegation yeah. party. Yes. <laughs> I, I think... Yeah. Possibly we're not too good to go down, but if we're down there for long enough um, with the other dead men, there's always someone unexpected who drops like a stone from about seventh place. And I think they'll come flying past us, um, you know, and we'll, we'll hang on into, you know, 16th or 15th and, and, and just be ready for the following season to come crashing back. Do you think we want? To, do we want to? Uh, I mean, if we're not going to make fourth, do we want a, U, um, a Europa League place? No, I, I think we just want a Premier League place. Tone, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think I don't want to set my my sights any higher than that at the moment. Yeah. It was an interesting. It was kind of a conversation in the in the pub on Friday night as to whether or not um, you know we are still to date the only. Um, UK side that's taken that competition seriously, even if it was on the back of a disastrous attempt at you know um, defending our Champions League. But we went in and we still went through it, and we still went to win it, and we did win it. Um, and I think if you had no other distractions, um, would that be? I mean, In fact, we're starting to def- we're starting to defend trophies disastrously all over the shop, aren't we? We defended our Champions League disastrously. Mm. We then didn't enter the Europa League, so you couldn't say that was disastrous. But I'm sure we'd have mullered it if we had. We've uh, disastrously defended our league league cup, haven't we? Yeah, mm-hmm. gone out in like the second round on penalties to a team with ten men. And uh, we're disastrously defending our Premier League title. It seems to be a, a new trend. Wasn't it the last time we were we were going through this? Wasn't it um, the year after the Champions League? Wasn't it when we we we, we were sort of into that season with Robbie Di Matteo in charge with, uh, I think, the prospect of seven potential trophies in front of us, you know, because um, we were in the World Club Championship as well. Yeah. Or whatever. And, you know, one by one, the Skittles were knocked over. <laughs> I think they were all gone by Christmas. <laughs> they were they? pretty Apart much, weren't they? You know, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, but... I, 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 but in, I, Rafa, in Rafa, we trusted and we got you yeah, open. I mean, I, st- I look at that and I think there's a, a little bit of... Um, uh, gallows humour about the fact that you know relegation battles and all this and I, I, I read Terence the Cats uh, that's Tricia Fiorellini um, I read her article for the Irish Examiner today which was you know um, someone cracked a joke at her about we you know are you ready for the relegation battle or when when is it going to happen and she was in the car thinking I think it could be happening now and it, I think there's a bit of gallows humour about it I mean um, and I look at it and I think you know when you when you look at these teams Aston Villa Sunderland Bournemouth, Newcastle, Norwich, Swansea, West Brom, you know, they're the teams that are immediately below and above us. Um, you've got to think that Watford will, you know, the chickens will come home to roost there at some point. You probably think that Leicester are going to um, regress to the mean, as you once said, Donal. And, um, 
you, you can't help thinking that there are clubs there that we, you know, we would start to roll through. And actually, maybe what we really do need is we do need that game eventually if we get on a little run against Manchester United at Old Trafford. Um, to, for the players to, I mean, it sounds like a terrible thing, but for the players to actually get up for a game and think, right, mm. um, we're going to show everybody just how wrong they were. It may be too little, too late. I keep thinking that um, I, I don't really fancy the Thursday night Europa League Sunday kickoff scenario that we've, we 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 would face next year, and that maybe an eighth or ninth with a, a bit of a restructure at the club in the in the close season would be a good idea. Um, uh, and then you start afresh next season and write this season off. Um, I think there was some rumour that the board would have already done that and that's why they've not got rid of Jose at Roman and Marina and um, old Brucey boy and all that. Basically said, you know, OK, this season's written off. We've learned our lessons from what we should have done in the summer. Um, and, you know... Uh, you know, you hear these rumours that they've backed Mourinho, they've told the players they're going to back Mourinho and, and the, you know, the players, you know, if they don't like it, they will be the ones that go, which will be the first time I think the player power hasn't quite worked. Um, but I'm not, I'm not convinced of it. I, you do wonder whether or not these, all these players are coming out saying we're behind Jose. Um, I think, like the Mark said, Fabregas was very quick off the mark to come out and deny the, 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 the whole comment thing or whatever. Which, you know, as I was saying earlier on, does go back to that sort of Christine Keeler, Mandy Rice Davis thing of, well, he would say that, wouldn't he? You know, um, but but I think I think it might be a mistake to, to see them as a as a an homogenous group who are, you know, acting in unison. I, I, I would think of it in, in a much more prosaic way that he has. Yeah, he's he's peed a certain amount of them off. Others have got whatever other issues they've got going on, which aren't to do with his management, but have, have meant that they've, they've lost form, etc. And that it's 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 not, you know, a, a player power. Or we want Jose Jose out. It's maybe individual reactions to the situations they're finding themselves in, which are contributing to a situation which will remove him. But it's it's not. It's not the short distance between two points, if you see what I mean. And, and I'd also like to say that the National Association of Statisticians has banned you from using the term regression to the mean since you um, uh, dissed me the other week on Twitter when I tried to point out the foul count in the Liverpool game. <laughs> and you said, you know, stop quoting statistics. So uh, you've, you've been stripped of the right to use any statistical uh, type nomenclature for, for a period of time and it's a bit like Jose's stadium ban you yes. will be allowed back in at some point, but, some point. Good. but for now yeah. you can't <laughs> yeah, but yeah to be serious I, I think I think it's, it's too too much of a combination of factors the one that worried me you all these things you read is the one that there, there's tension between him and the academy and, and that you know we, we come back to it all the time that's you know we've got to be able to bring some of these youth players through, and you wonder what the the tension between he and the academy might be, and you know if he doesn't want to use their players that they're producing, or he doesn't think they're producing the players correctly for him, I don't know. But it's things like that that worry me more than all the other tittle tattle that you hear. But well, I've, I've my my friend Chelsea Bob, um, he's a, you know he watches Chelsea TV all day long um, when he's making his model. Um, Trains, etc. It's on in the background, so it's you know. Very, what a fine picture you painted, <laughs> Chelsea Bob. <laughs> well, he's uh, uh, a, he, a yes, fine he, individual. 
Well, yes, he is a fine individual. I mean, he's been talking since about 1953, I think, something like that. Um, so he's of, of that ilk. Um, but as he says, you know, he keeps telling me week in, week out, did you watch Chelsea TV this week? You should see this youngster. We've got such and such, such and such. Always. And I keep saying to him, you've been saying this to me for the last 20 years. Mm. The only one is John Terry. Yeah. And, it's only one. and if we're not going to start producing kids through the academy that will actually stand a chance of getting into the first team or on the bench, we might as well shut the bloody thing down. We're wasting our time. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, now, the other argument, of course, is, and Mark will probably put his accountancy head on here and say, uh, well, you be careful about this because it's a revenue stream and therefore you have a production line and there's probably all sorts of wonderful analogies. You can just still do it. Um, my argument is, is if you didn't have the factory, you wouldn't have any costs. You'd save loads of money. Um, you wouldn't need to be trying to sell these down the line or whatever. Yeah, but um, it's a profit centre, isn't it? Well, I guess I... It would be like saying, let's shut down the bar in the West Lower. But it's making money. Why would you want to do that? Because it yeah. serves that disgusting single beer, which did for me after the Liverpool I, I quite like it, honestly. <laughs> really? I yeah, I'm happy with it. I'm quite lucky that I wasn't doing it, that I wasn't caught on video coming out of that game, I'll tell you. Cause the thing is, they're all brewed in a sort of brewery down off the M4 near Slough yeah. somewhere, aren't they? It's all, you know, made, brewed under licence. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But my judgment got the better of me, and my nerves got the better of me against Liverpool. Uh, against Liverpool, so this early kick off or not, I decided that um, that's just what I need is um, three or four pints of that before the game while I was in the club. Instead of maybe just tweeting somebody and saying, "Where are you? Are you in a pub that serves real beer?" Um, so I can fully nourish myself properly, you know. But I, I didn't do it. But you know, it, it, the, the academy point still stands. I, I appreciate it's a profit centre. Um, I do think that you should run it as a separate business and not put these kids under any illusion that they're standing any chance of ever getting into the into Chelsea or whatever. Mm. Um, and, and could you not outsource that to um, the likes of FC20 and other clubs? Just get your, you know, you just have a, a bunch of 50 players that you put out on loan and pull the ones back that are any good. Do you really need that academy to get to that point? Um mm. But, you know, I digress. I still think, you know, Ruben's Loftus-Cheek has been a bit unfortunate. He hasn't been given more chances. I don't think Baba Rahman's anywhere near as bad as people seem to be making out. Um, and at the moment, for me, I'd rather have him at left-back and Azpilicueta at right-back. Um, I think Cahill's been a bit unfortunate, but Kazuma um, is making um, some some mistakes. But, I th- you know, I do wonder whether, um, you know, JT at the back is... Like I said, that's a fading influence thing, and it, you know, Pete, I've I've been sort of slammed a little bit for being um, a heretic by saying such things. Um, uh, and again, it was, it was probably Terence the Cat is the only other one I know that's thinking along similar things to me, and has been you know absolutely slated for it because he's captain leader legend. But sometimes I think you have to say some of this stuff, and I just think, you know, uh, I still go back to what I said, and I hope that this is possibly his last season, and that one of the refreshes we do. Is to, um, is to is to find a suitable replacement. The bigger thing is finding a new captain, I guess. Mm. Um, um, but yes, yeah, so um, I think we've probably gone around the houses. I think we had a nice win against Dinamo Kiev. I thought William's goal was outstanding. It was just such a joy to see a Chelsea player. It's been some time since we've had somebody who's been regularly um, in, in that capability. I mean, Frank Lampard was probably... The, the one who most regularly did it. I don't know if anybody else can think, but it was, there was a big Brazilian guy whose name escapes me. Who had a Alex. Alex. 
Um, but it's quite. I think we've had a couple of a couple of seasons of, of of free kick paucity, as it were, where we've not had anybody who could um, get it past the wall or or couldn't put it into Rose Ed. Um, yeah, David Luiz used to knock one or two in, but yeah. yeah, I mean, he brained as many people at the top of the stadium as he as he scored goals. But and, and, yeah, yeah, and 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 threatened the the future stock of many players. His wives must be looking at him, thinking, oh, "Don't, don't put your hands down if you can replace <laughs> one of his rigs." But um, I think it's quite nice to see. I mean, it, it, we, obviously, it's not something we can rely on. Um, for the rest of the season, but it is a joy to see that when you see that sort of goal fly in like that, and and you know, I mean, there's a said the punditry are there saying we, well, you know, the keeper should have got it, and you think, well, look, you know, I, I I saw that on telly, but I can imagine if you were there, you'd have said that was a pretty unstoppable shot, no matter who was there, really, mm. you know. Um, but a joy to see. Um, well, gents, we're we I think we're probably in danger of um um actually uh falling into the ninth circle of through that hell um so i just want to do a couple of um a couple of parish notices but before we get to that i think um just a couple of words uh, a couple of lines from each of us on um um the the sad news that um a former manager of our club bobby campbell um died last week uh, the i think these days probably the comparative rule of the fairly young age of 78 um i believe he was very um very quite close to roman abramovich and used to actually sit in the um the same box, so I don't know whether or not he had some sort of advisory capacity. Um, my own memories of, of Bobby Campbell are quite fond, in the same way um, as they were with um, uh, John Neal. Um, so kind of faded over time, um, but always this quite avuncular chap who uh, seemed to have the respect of the crowd and the players, and, um, and, and not least of all, um, the board, and, and which of course in that case would have been Ken Bates back in them days. Um, I always remember the thing that always used to get me was I went to a game um, and the chant was, um, and I, I now believe it's Bobby Campbell's Blue Army, um, and I didn't understand a word of it. And I remember thinking, what are they singing? He said, Bobby Campbell's Blue Army? What, 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 Bobby Campbell's Army? What are, they, what are they singing? Of course, you, you can't go to the game and you can't actually just tap somebody's shoulder and say, I say, old chap. Um, I put the prawn sandwich down, but could you explain the lyrics of that particular song? It always uh, reminds me of um, a Danny Baker story where he says that he used to go regularly with his dad, and he, for years and years he thought they were singing Millwall, Yim Bambo. <laughs> he still to this day he still doesn't know what they were singing, you know. Um, and I, I always remember that about going to the games when Bobby Campbell was there, and just thinking, I'll just sing the words. Bobby Campbell's army, because <laughs> 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 right. no one will be able to pick out the fact that I haven't got a clue. And, and to this day, even now, there are one or two songs that I sing at Stamford Bridge, and I think, I don't know what I'm singing here, but I'll just make some sounds that's very similar to it. But, I mean, people yeah. are critical about the fact that um, the cost of going to see a game is ever-increasing, and it's becoming more and more of a middle-class spectator sport. But but the opposite side of that, and the good news is, that the enunciation of songs is obviously a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> the, percentage of, the percentage of Chelsea fans who've been to choir school has gone up rapidly in the last ten years. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, anyway, yes. chaps, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on yeah. Bobby Campbell. Um... Um, only that, you know, it's... it's... You know, he was he was very much part of the history. He was you know it's very appropriate for these days and what we've just been discussing. He he brought Chelsea up from the uh, 
the second division for the last time up until now. So, <laughs> you know, it's um, for that we must be ever grateful. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll second that. I mean, um, every era that I've been involved with with Chelsea, I've enjoyed. Um, and it's been great supporting them. And actually, um, he, he did uh, bring us out of the championship, as it was, up to the old first division. Mm. Um, and those were exciting times. So, you know, we have yeah. nothing to fear this season. If we go down, uh, it can still be exciting in the championship and going up. And, and we had some interesting players in. Um, Graham Roberts, who really is Spurs through and through. Mm. Um, but he played really well for us that season and, and the yes. crowd, even though he had a Spurs background mm. the crowd warmed him because you know he lost both his front teeth playing for Spurs just throwing, him to, throwing himself into tackles that he really shouldn't and he just continued doing that mm. at Chelsea and we had Peter Nicholas as well actually yeah. Oh, yeah. who was um, quite classy he yeah. was um, a bit of a stroller uh, a bit of a Charlie Adam actually I think probably carrying a couple of pounds too many, but he was a class footballer. And there was some really enjoyable football um, in the Bobby Campbell era. Yes, they played nice football. Yeah, definitely. And, um, okay, yeah, um, so right, on the point we made earlier about defending titles badly, at least when we get relegated and then win the championship, we'll be in the Premier League then again. And so we won't be defending the championship. So we can't, you know, defend that really badly. Do you see what I mean? <laughs> so it's a bit like so the Europa League in that sense. Yeah. The problem we got this season is we won the league and we're still in that there league. was nowhere else to go. So we're in it. So <laughs> same with the League Cup. You know, oh, we're still in the same competition. The beauty of getting relegated will be that, you know, we can win a, di- a championship, which we then get out of. A bit like the Europa you see, so sometimes you've got to go back to go forward. Absolutely. Um, I just didn't really expect to... Remind me I said that in six months' time. Yes, yes. Bitter tears. We do need a stato to take some of this stuff down and really throw it right back in our faces, um, like the proverbial rake, <laughs> I think. We're making light of the situation, but only because there's nothing else to do. No, there's, exactly. We're going round in circles every podcast now, ranting about the same things. Because, Absolutely. You know, we're a bit like the team, we just... Think if we keep doing the same thing, eventually <laughs> it'll come right. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah. On that note, um, I think we we'll finish up there. I just want to do the usual parish notice. Yes, that, um, this will be this uh, fine episode seventy um, will be available from tomorrow, um, which is the tenth uh, of November. It's available on iTunes. Please go on, give us a good rating. I don't know why, but it does do good stuff apparently. Um, I think this one's been fairly profanity-free as well, so uh, we may not have the usual adult lyric thing on there. Um, also, if you visit um, poddingshed.com, I've just checked it, and that is literally all it is, poddingshed.com. Um, no HTTP, no www. Um, it's just there, poddingshed.com. You can then wade your way through the previous 69 wondrous episodes, although I think it's actually only 68 because there was a ghost episode in there somewhere. Um, I think we did that as a bit of a tribute to um, Ida Johnson's um, goal um, uh, against us, uh, against Liverpool. But um, what was that a ghost goal against us? I can never remember. These it was a ghost goal against us. It was a ghost goal, ghost goal. I think we may have done that in tribute to that. Um, other than that, please uh, please feel free to come with comments. Um, it will be another two weeks, I imagine. Um, we've got an international break this week. Then we've got Norwich and a few other games. Um, and we'll be back. Um, hopefully, um, the usual um, chairmeister, um, Kaiser Johnny, will be back in 
the chair, um, ready to uh, avail you of his wit and charm, and I can return to the benches, um, or to the back benches even, where I can just sort of shout things from the background, like, oh, order. Well, I mean, we've we've been a man down tonight, but I think we've kept it going really well. (laughs) I think you're right. Um, (laughs) So I'm I'm not sure I want to play the way Johnny directs me on on, um, these podcasts. I mean, to be honest, I'd rather watch Coronation Street and do a podcast with Johnny Dunn. <laughs> yeah, there, there who, is that, isn't there? Who is rapidly picking up a reputation as being a, a Jurgen Klopp lookalike for an unfortunate picture that was taken of him post-Liverpool um, when he was fairly obviously what I like to describe as socially relaxed. Um, mm. And uh, and I did look at it and think, there is a touch of the clipperties about Mr. Dyer, indeed. I saw, I saw an excellent, uh, I think it was Mark Steele, the comedian, uh, who I presume is a Crystal Palace fan, because that's why we treated it, said um, that uh, it was, um, it was you know, a tribute to, to Liverpool fans who, um, who not only kept, uh, you know, a, a perfect minute silence, but then went on to do the same for the next 89. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Excellent. You can't beat a bit of Because even Jürgen had a bit of a dig, didn't he, at the end, apparently. He's mystified about um, this, this, this kind of English culture of leaving games early. Yeah. Apparently, which doesn't happen apparently in Germany. I don't. I don't actually believe that. But um, uh, part of it is to do with the fact that their traffic systems and their their to and from the game is much better than ours. And so no, that's not necessarily true. Well, wouldn't wouldn't say that. Yeah. Anyway, getting out of Munich in 2012 was pretty rubbish. Uh, but yeah. then, I, I I don't know. But uh, there was a good article in the Guardian by Amy Lawrence today, which kind of covered off this bizarre um, cultural thing. You know, where where kids are. You know, Hooked out by their neck, you know, going, Dad, I'm still watching this. It's two minutes ago, you know, and, uh, and uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna miss the bloody traffic or whatever, you know. Um, and people leaving the game. I believe it was happening at Arsenal yesterday with the game one-one, and there were people leaving in, you know, pretty much in droves, and thinking, Hold on a minute, you know, we've seen goals scored in the last ten seconds of a game, you know. So it does seem a bit weird, but um, uh, welcome to English football, Mr. Klopp. Um, yes, you're going to learn. You're going to. You, you can. You, you might be smiling now. I'll be interested to see if that smile is still there in a year. Um, on that note, gents, I think we'll call it um, a, uh, an evening. Yep. Um, I'd like to thank you both very much for your kind participation, wit, and repartee. We've covered um, all sorts of art forms tonight. We've covered cartoons. We've covered Dante's Inferno. Um, mm. And we've had um, a, a semi, you know, a, accountancy lesson from Mark, um, and it's been a, a, a thrill. Um, so thank you very, bu- uh, thank you both very much. Um, from me, it's good night. And uh, from me, it's good night, and thank you very much, Tony, for your efforts. It's, you're, you're, you're turning into the Butch Wilkins, uh, you know, in hundred <laughs> percent record in your short managerial career, if I may say so. And. Uh, and last word, of course, to um, the wonderful Mark and So Contrary. Thank you very much, Tony. Yes, uh, another great job, and uh, good night to all. Good night, chaps. Good night. <laughs>